Hi everyone and welcome to another Firms Consulting Podcast. Today I want to focus on the consulting offer, specifically Rafik's performance in sessions 1 to 4. Yeah, I mean the, some of the elements I want to talk to obviously exhibited themselves in those sessions, but primarily sessions 5 and 6. Now, the the primary lesson in this podcast, which I'll extend as we discuss it, is the fact that a lot of people, well, the majority of people think that to do well at cases, you have to focus on cases. And that's true. To do well in cases, you have to focus on cases. But you can only focus or improve so much by only focusing on cases. And there are certain ancillary or complementary areas of case performance that you have to consider as well. And unless you focus on those areas, no matter how much you focus on cases, you're never going to do well, right? Now, the reason I'm focusing on Rafik is because he had this problem. When we did cases, I realized very quickly that things he was doing in the cases, unrelated to the technical side of cases, and I'll explain what those were in a minute, and things he was doing before the cases were impacting his performance substantially. It were actually affecting the way he engages and collaborates with the interviewer. And it became a, a difficult, difficult way or difficult experience for the interviewer. Now, let me explain to you what those things were. We'll go with them in some kind of order here, right? We'll start off in some chronological order. Let's assume that I just finished a training session with Rafik. I'd give him a few things to do. Well, not a few, quite a few things, I would say, but they were really tightly centered around the three or four development areas. Do this, do that, do that. And he would have to go away and do it, right? Now, one thing I noticed with him is that he wasn't doing it. Uh, he was doing it in a haphazard way. There were many times I would ask him to, you know, watch a certain video because we're going to, you know, prepare for it in the next session, he wouldn't do it, so we had to change the order of his session. So I noticed that what he was doing between the sessions was impacting how the sessions were going, right? Imagine me as his coach dedicating two hours a day through, you know, we did this through September, October, November, which is our our peak time for training students. We're making this time available. You know, it was difficult. We were doing this at, you know, strange hours to, to, to meet his diary requirements and our diary requirements with other clients comes in unprepared for a session. How do you think an interviewer feels? He doesn't feel particularly good that, you know, you're making yourself available, you're investing in someone, but they're not ready. So immediately the dynamic is becoming, I will use the word poison, because that's what's happening. You know, people don't say it, but you miss, you miss, or I would say you underinvest in a relationship, the relationship eventually dies, right? So immediately preparation was a problem and and he he has you will notice that he raises certain issues that are not having time available needing to spend time with loved ones and so on not being able to find a quiet spot in the entire city of paris which reminds me i need to send an email to the mayor of paris you know encouraging to create more quiet spots for people to study but anyway the point is that um things between the sessions were impacting him not preparing on time, not preparing adequately, and not preparing the right material. So we had to get him very focused on that. The next thing he did was that he would be late. It, it was almost scary how late the candidate was. And not late by 30 minutes, uh, 20 minutes, but late by 5 to 10 minutes. Now, once or twice is okay, but if it becomes a routine, it's a problem. 
right? Now, now being late affects the dynamic of the relationship because, again, it's it's points to the fact that maybe the candidate is not as vested in their own development. Beyond that, when you when you arrive, you you are tired. You're obviously running late, so you you know you're sweaty. You are huffing and puffing like the big bad wolf in those you know Brother Grimm fairy tales. You your laptop isn't set up. You have technical issues that need to be fixed. So being five minutes late is not being five minutes late. It's being ten minutes late. You've got to boot up your laptop, set up Skype, set up the connection. It's you're 15 minutes late for an interview. Now that's 15% of an hour, which is 25% of an hour, which is 12.5% of two hours. You basically have wasted 12.5% of of the coaching session if it's two hours, or 25% if it's an hour. That's a lot of wasted time, right? Beyond that. You will watch the sessions whereby I'll tell the candidate several times, make sure you do not use a cable. So make sure you do not use Wi-Fi connection for the sessions because the connection is not as strong. Make sure you use a cable. Now, when the candidate arrives late, he, he doesn't have time to fix those things. And again, the coach becomes a bit annoyed with him because you know he's not taking the session seriously. So the first thing I made him do, the first thing I made him do is prepare better. If you cannot prepare on time, you will you will tell me in advance and we'll postpone the session and you arrive at least five minutes before. I want you sitting at your table. I want to see your Skype account on tested five minutes before the session starts. Now, that had a pretty big impact on the relationship and his performance because he was no longer rushing into sessions because as soon as I have to correct someone to fix a pretty small thing, the first time I do it, my tone is friendly. The second time I'm a bit annoyed. The third time I'm like, what the hell do you think is going on here? Right? Fix it. You know, because you have to fix these problems so you don't manifest them in front of a real interviewer. First thing we focused on was just being on time and being better prepared. And I told the candidate, if you tell me 30 minutes before a call, you're not ready. I don't mind postponing it. You tell me five minutes before a call, you need to postpone it. No problem. But you tell me five minutes after the call, you need to postpone it. There's a problem there because I cannot reallocate the time to someone else. You know, we have clients who will, you know, do anything to get time with us. So giving your time to someone else is not a big issue. But once the time has been used up where we 10, 15 minutes into the call, I can't reallocate it. I don't have enough time to work with someone else. So the first thing, be on time and be prepared. And if you're not on time and not prepared, it's better to postpone something, actually. That's the first thing. Now, the second thing, the, the, the second, third, and fourth thing relates to managing the dynamic once you're in the call. The first thing is, don't be emotional. Now, if you look at Rafik, he puts his, you know, he, he's got fairly big eyes. He raises his eyebrows. You see him putting his face in his hand, sighing, and saying, "Oh, Michael," <sighs> huffing and puffing and sighing. And I can see all of those things. So that even before he starts doing the case, I know is absolutely terrified of it. Now, even if you are terrified of the case, you shouldn't show it to the interviewer. You've got to have a poker face. You've got to show confidence. So even before Rafik speaks, I know there's trouble. Now, imagine how that looks to an interviewer. It's, it's, it's an epic failure. So I've given him the strict instruction of not showing emotion. Poker face. No putting your hands in your face. Or face in your hand, sorry. No sighing, no shoulders slouched, no eye movements to indicate you are struggling. None of those things. Because even if you are brilliant at cases and you did that to an interview, the interview is going to think you're struggling. If you struggle and you do that, 
it's going to be very difficult for the interviewer to control the case because he's more focused on your body movement than on your performance. And because he's so focused on your body movement, he's going to treat you like you're struggling. And if you are treated like you are struggling, you start struggling in a case, right? Second thing, manage your emotion very carefully. The third thing is no excuses. There were a lot of times, I mean, it became a predominant theme where Rafik would start off a case by apologizing. Why he couldn't do something, why it was difficult for him. And I tell him, look, what value do you think your apology is adding to the session? Do you think that when you apologize, I'm going to go easy on you? Do you think that when you apologize, I'm going to immediately start off, uh, you know, your rating by saying, okay, Rafik told me that he doesn't know the population of the city, so let's not go too hard on him. An apology adds no value to the case. If anything, it distracts because... I see you making an excuse. I see you wasting my time. If you add up all those excuses, it's probably going to be 20% of all the time we did, you know, doing case interviews. You are not trying to solve the case. 10, 20% of time making apologies is 20% of time that you could have used solving the case. So this idea of excuses had to disappear because they damaged the dynamic, right? So emotions, very important, body language, no excuses. Now the fourth thing is there a lot of times Rafik would say, oh, Michael, I give up. I can't do this. Now, I use this analogy a lot and I use it with him, but I want to make this analogy because it's important. Imagine you're on a nice little yacht off the coast of Boston or something and you run into trouble and you call the lifeguard saying, I'm in trouble, help me. What do you think the lifeguard's going to do? He can't do anything. You haven't told him how many people were on the yacht. You haven't told him where you were. You haven't told him what the situation was. So for all he knows, you're saying help me because you ran out of food. Or you're saying help me because you ran out of suntan lotion. Or you're saying help me because a shark attacked the boat. Or you're saying help me because the boat is already capsized and you're sitting on top of it with the last remnants of the communication system. The point is, unless you tell the interviewer or the coach, in this case, exactly why you are struggling to do something, you are making it incredibly inefficient for the coach because he's got to go through the entire case because you haven't pointed out to him what it is you don't understand. If you say, Michael, I don't understand this point, how should I do it? He can help you. On the other, To take that into context and make it even more explicit, I would say offer what you think needs to be done, get it wrong, and then the coach will help you. But the coach needs to see how you are struggling versus just help me. Now, those four things have nothing to do with cases, as you can see. First one, being on time and managing the training before sessions has nothing to do with case performance. Right? It's about self-management. Point two, about managing emotions has nothing to do with case performance. It's about image management. Point three, around excuses has nothing to do with case performance. It's about, again, image management and communication. Point four, about asking the right questions rather than saying I cannot do it is again about communication. Now, if you look at what happened to Rafik between session six and session seven, it was a majestic, magnificent improvement, right? I mean, it was pretty impressive how he improved. Session eight was very good. Session seven was very good for him. In fact, at one point he was, you know, neck and neck and exceeding Sanjeev's performance and then it all came crashing down again in session 10, whereby he just didn't follow these four steps. These four steps had nothing to do with case performance. But if he had followed them, you know, and I'm actually, while I'm doing this recording, I actually have gone to his session six on the consulting offer. I've pulled up his handwritten notes 
on the feedback we we've given him and you can see that he's got session six he's called it session 6.5 it was the additional session six four major points of improvement points one two three four what i've just listed to you things to do in every session and things to do after every session he knew what he had to do it is a question of following so i always tell people that it's not enough to get the right feedback you have to follow it there are two steps to learning knowing what you don't know finding the information you don't know understanding what you don't know following what you don't know and then consistently following what you don't know and unless you do that you're never going to be improving now you've got to understand what are the things that you can do outside of cases that are going to improve your case performance and i can assure you there's a lot of things you can do outside of your cases it's a question of following it as always i, I hope that you will create your own groups to discuss these podcasts and benefit from the experiences of Rafik, Samantha, Sanjeev and Felix.